Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined, uh, as always, by Matthew Chandler. We've got a very special pod today, uh, talking about the Derby on the weekend, uh, and joining us to discuss a little bit about Everton, Liverpool, and the Derby. We have a very special guest. He's a defender. He was a defender for Liverpool, made 737 total appearances as a center back for them, 38 for the English national team, won 11 trophies in that span. He's now a Sky Sports pundit, but of course, most notably known as a boyhood Evertonian. Uh, joining us now, uh, Jamie Carragher. Jamie, how you doing? Oh, good, mate. Thanks for the, uh, the intro, except for the last bit. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we appreciate you joining us, Jamie. And, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get the first question out of the way real quick because we do have to talk about you being an Everton fan as a, as a kid. Um, do you still have any affection left for Everton at all now? Are you pleased to see Everton doing better under Ancelotti, recent, recent games aside? Is there still a little bit there? I wouldn't say it's so much for Everton, really. I just I kind of but like Ancelotti, so... I think we're like that with lots of different teams, aren't we? When you you maybe like the manager or you maybe like one of the players, you don't mind them see, seeing them do too well. So I like to see Ancelotti do well, I must say. Uh, he's, he's, he's done me a few favours in terms of interviews since he's come to the club. He, he lives quite local to me. So, uh, yeah, I, I like to see him uh, see, to see him do well. And, and in turn, that means uh, Everton do well, I suppose. Um, Jimmy, I remember you said on Sky when he was appointed that you were maybe a bit surprised that Ancelotti would take Evan at that time. Um, I think obviously everyone agrees that he's already proved himself before to be a fantastic manager, but considering where Everton were then, um, you know, we were 18 from Isaac Silva, for example, do you feel like he's maybe proved you wrong or kind of erased any those doubts that you had at the time in that respect? Or has he still got to do more to maybe... No, I think, I think he's done really well. I think... I read somewhere it was his 50th game. I'm not sure if that was the Fulham game or the Man City game. Fulham game was the 50th, yeah. What game was it? The Fulham one was the 50th, yeah. Yeah, and I think he's had, he's had a better record in those 50 games. And I think it was in all competitions than the sort of two or three managers, uh, certainly before, maybe going back to uh, to Martinez, who obviously did really well, uh, certainly in that first season. But I don't think so much proved... Uh, me wrong or anyone wrong. I don't think he had anything to prove himself. I think it was just a surprise that he'd gone to Everton. You can't deny that a manager who was normally with Champions League clubs, Everton were obviously struggling. But you know, he was, must be desperate to come back to the Premier League as well. Everton are a, are a big club, but you know, it's fair to say he, he normally does manage sort of giants who have a chance of winning the Champions League. So I think it was a surprise, but a great coup for uh, you know Mashiri and Kenwright to bring you know a manager of that that level in and I think he's shown how good a manager he is but no matter how good a manager he is you know to really compete you know uh, for trophies really in the, in the next few years he'll need you know a better standard of uh, of player and that's what I'm sure he and the and the club at Marcel Brands are looking to do in the, in the next two or three transfer windows Yeah I think because you know you can see like you said like the recent home games the recent home form aside I think you can tell there's been a lot of progress under Ancelotti but um, we we go into the derby in seventh, which which I think personally is probably where about about all things considered where Everton probably should be at this stage in Ancelotti's reign. I think maybe the lightning fast start that we had was maybe a bit misleading and maybe might have led people to think Everton could could kick on quicker than they actually have. Would you agree that maybe this is Everton's this is about par where Everton are now and 
And how far do you think they are from kind of really challenging that, that top four? I mean, to be honest, even even in the last few years with, with Sam Allardyce and, and Silva, even though certain seasons haven't been going well, they've almost, you've always rallied to be around 7th, 8th, ninth position, really. And I've always said that it's not so much the position Everton had at the table, it's how close they are to the top four, yeah. really. And, and in, in past seasons, I think the top six, or maybe maybe Leicester as well, have, have almost there's almost been a big gap between 6th and 7th or 7th and 8th in terms of points. And right now, Everton are 7th, but I think if they, if they win the game in hand, they go level with Liverpool. They're then only two points behind uh, Chelsea, who are in the fourth position. So, even though it's 7th position, it, you know, it, it's still the same position you've, you've finished, you know, maybe previous seasons. It's, uh, it's a lot tighter, the league. Now, that might be down to the situation with, you know, we, we all say it's a strange season for whatever, lots of different reasons, no fans, COVID, uh, a season really tight and compact with lots of games, whatever it may be. So this might be, you know, the opportunity for for Everton, really. And what Everton have got to hope is that this isn't a strange and different season and it doesn't go back to what we've seen in the last four or five years where there has been a big gap between, you know, the, the Champions League positions or the European positions and the next ones in the league. Because really. I've always felt Everton are the... We, we talk about the top six. I've always felt Everton are the next one. Really, and rather than saying, "Oh, we'll break into the top six, Everton needed to for me to make it almost like a top seven. Maybe what Leicester have done, really, where they're, they're almost in that pack of the top six. And I know that frustrates people in the top six because Arsenal are miles away, and and other teams have been at different times. But I think when we say that, certainly on you know maybe Sky and that, I think we we automatically think maybe financially as well, and who can really you know attack the transfer market really, and who've been successful in the year uh, so the last few years really so I think Everton need to join that pack I think it's going to be difficult to take someone's place in that in that pack if you like because these are clubs that are in Europe in the Champions League have had money sometimes they drop out sometimes they get back in so Everton need to join that sort of a uh, group of clubs and with Ancelotti you know why can't they and this season they are really close yeah absolutely you know they've been uh you know charging forward there obviously a, a couple hiccups but let's um skip over to Liverpool here um, and discuss kind of their season so far. Obviously uh, they've been kind of out of sorts, a lot of injuries because obviously Van Dyke, Matip, uh, Gomez, all likely out for the season. Uh, Fabinho, Jota, Keita have all been out for periods lately as well. Um, you know, is Liverpool, does Liverpool's struggles come down to one of those players or a couple of those players coming back and maybe stadiums being full again, or is this deeper uh, a deeper struggle or a deeper problem that they have that needs to get fixed for them to get back to, you know, the form they were in maybe last season? I think there's no doubt the injury of Van Dijk is huge because I think, I've said for the last two or three years, I think he was possibly the best player in the Premier League with Kevin De Bruyne and other completely different positions. But you think of how, how important those players are for those teams and, and they've been the, the two top teams for the last two or three years. So I think... He, you're always going to miss him, of course, and for being out for the whole season, of course. But I don't think that or anyone expected Liverpool to then be in sixth position. I think Liverpool are sixth now, and when you're going into the, you know, uh, you know, the Anfield return. But I think the the thing with Liverpool, it's not so much injuries. It's they've been unlucky in that they've all come in the one position. I mean, everyone has injuries. Uh, really, I think Liverpool have just had one of them seasons where they've had it more than most. You know, there's always one team who'll be in that situation. 
But the fact that they've all been in the same position, so if Matip and Gomez had been fine, I think Liverpool could have challenged, really pushed City. Not sure whether they would have been able to do a, you know, keep hold of the title, but I think they'd have pushed them a lot more because you would have had them a normal midfield then. So it just had that that knock-on effect. But uh, so a lot of the games, certainly at home, that Liverpool have lost against poor opposition. You can't say that's you know, just down to being without Virgil van Dijk. So they've obviously missing something in the attack. And I've, and I've said before, I think next season Liverpool need to freshen uh, the attack up. Uh, you know, they've got three players there who've been, you know, legendary figures for Liverpool in the last three or four years and what they've done. But, you know, sooner or later that front three will need to be breaking up. And whether that's Jota, who's been a big miss also, or someone else to come in in the summer, something I just think needs to give in that front three. And it'll namely be Possibly Bobby Firmino for me because I think the other two have still got you know a couple of years left without a doubt. Yeah, that was kind of going to be my next question. Really, like um, I think you you mentioned on Sky the other week about like how how similar kind of current Liverpool team is to the team that played Real Madrid three years ago, and and you know there's a lot of players now kind of late twenties, uh, maybe getting on to thirty. Is this kind of do you think? This team's kind of reached, or is reaching, like its kind of natural end of its cycle, and kind of like you're saying, how much how much surgery do you think they need in the summer? No, I don't. Th- I know what you mean because I know a lot of people are looking at that and thinking Jurgen Klopp, uh, this this feeling of always ram them into the ground. They've been there for sort of four or five years. I don't quite buy in, into that yet because Liverpool have got injury problems, and maybe that will be proven right next season when everyone's back and you say, okay, there's something just not quite right here. It's not quite working, but I mean, if you actually bring Van Dijk back in, Liverpool will buy a centre back as well. I think in midfield, Curtis Jones, Curtis Jones now comes to the party as a you know twenty year old kid, and I think Liverpool without Jota as well has been a big mush, uh, miss. Fresh energy, and I just I just think maybe one or two, you know whether the centre back is already here now in Quebec, he's another young player, twenty year old kid, or it's somebody else. Whether Liverpool feel with Wijnaldum looking like he's going to move on, they need to replace him there, or basically they're going to have Fabinho back, Henderson back in midfield, Curtis Jones is now there as well. And uh, no, I, I don't think so. But listen, that might be proven right next season. We don't know. But I, I'd expect a big turnaround with uh, you know, Virgil van Dijk back, a centre-back side, which will happen, and uh, another attacking player who's got to come in and replace Origi, Shakiri, Minamino. I think two out of those three have to go, and uh, another one needs bringing in. So no, it's definitely not surgery, but there's definitely uh, a cycle of a team that maybe lasts three years. As you said, I went back to the Champions League final in 2018, and I just think you'd almost need go, need to go through the spine of that team and add mm-hmm. three players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, turnover obviously important a lot of the time, and, and you know. One of the other issues I guess Liverpool's been having um, maybe has been in goal a little bit recently with Allison. He's had a couple issues. Better against Leipzig on Tuesday. He obviously kept his 50th uh, Liverpool clean sheet. Um, but does the recent issues with Allison come back to the lack of communication or maybe you know the you know not familiarity with the new defenders like Kabak, like Nat Phillips, Henderson stepping in there? Is that what it comes down to in these situations? Sometimes, but I mean, I think uh, I think that's a bigger worry for Everton at this moment, isn't it? The goalkeeping issues uh, <laughs> go into this derby, I'd say. <laughs> uh, no, I think Alisson uh, got back to normal, definitely. 
on uh, midweek. He made a big save at nil-nil. But, uh, but no, I just think you have to accept that. Listen, I stood behind a goal and watched Neville Southall for about 10 or 15 years when I was a kid. And, and he was the best goalkeeper in the world. And now and again, he'd, he'd make a mistake because that's just the nature of the position that you're in. So I don't think it's a case of Alisson being off form or, the, or whatever it may be. It's just you have to accept, you know, players will make mistakes. And I don't even think there should be any sort of any real scrutiny on it, really. It's just one of those things that happens. He's, he's, he's that good a goalkeeper. Now and again, they'll throw one in or do something a bit stupid. He had two on the bounce. Looked like he was back to normal. Yeah. In the in Leipzig, and hopefully that may be the case for for him in Liverpool on uh, on Saturday night. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with that. Uh, go ahead, Matthew. Sorry, I was going to say, are you surprised that he's stuck with Henderson at centre back uh, the last few games? I know obviously Ben Davies has been injured, hasn't he? But I think Nat Phillips has done okay when he's played. Obviously got Kabak. So you, hey, do you think maybe he'll he'll stick with Henderson for the weekend in defence or look at pushing forward? Henderson's been brilliant at centre-back. He really yeah. has. And I wouldn't be looking to, to move him. I don't think he's going to put two young lads who've never really played together too much. I think Jürgen wants as much experience and leadership as he can on the pitch. So I think uh, at this moment, the performances from Henderson at centre-back, as Fabinho's have been as well, have been outstanding at times. And, and uh, no, I think two young lads just starting at the club. Kabak's obviously further ahead of Davis. Maybe ability-wise, he's obviously a few years younger. Uh, and I think they would need that sort of experience alongside them. Not necessarily a centre-back, but just someone who can talk, knows the Premier League well. So, no, I can. Uh, you've got an exclusive there if you want to tell Carlo. I'm, I'm convinced it'll be uh, Kabak and, and Henderson at the back. And uh, I don't think too much will change from uh, midweek. Sounds good. We'll get on the direct line with Carlo right now and, uh, and let him know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I can also, shout uh, him for me. He might save me. <laughs> I'll also probably take oh. your uh, outlook on goalkeepers for Pickford or Olsen in upcoming games. You know, I feel like you got a pretty, uh, pretty good level-headed outlook where we typically get very aggravated at, you know, little goalkeeper mistakes and stuff like that. But um, You've got more um, practice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's talk about, uh, finally, before we get to the Derby, let's talk about Thiago. What has your opinions been of him so far this season? When's this podcast podcast coming out? Tomorrow. What time? 9 a.m. UK morning, time. Tomorrow morning. Oh, okay. I've done my newspaper column on Tiago, you see. So I don't okay. give too much away. Don't use right. the exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, Tiago, I mean, the, the thing with Tiago is actually, I think uh, people are sort of saying, oh, he's playing poorly or he's playing well. I just think what we're seeing is Thiago. I don't think Thiago's playing poorly. I think what we're seeing, I think we've seen him play really well in some games in terms of his passing. And the narrative changes because you, you're winning or you're losing. So on the back of Leipzig, there was a lot of talk about Thiago's looking better. He didn't play any different. It's just that Liverpool won. And people that feel you feel better about it. And when you lose, you're always trying to find out what the reason is, really. So uh, I think he's coming to a team that, that aren't winning, which doesn't help. He hasn't had the normal midfield or Liverpool midfield around him in terms of Fabinho and Henderson, really. Liverpool haven't been winning games or have been down in games. So then the game becomes like a basketball game with its end-to-end because Liverpool are desperate to get back into the game. And that's not him at his best because the game gets stretched and he's not a great athlete. He's not great defensively in terms of he gives lots of fouls away, he dives in. But on the ball, he is better than any other midfield player Liverpool have. But he's not someone who's going to make assists. He's a playmaker. So 
So a playmaker normally starts deeper and basically makes the play. And uh, he's done that better than any midfielder since he's been in the team. It's just that I think people have looked at the results as well, looked at what Liverpool have had in terms of pressing and, and that type of energy. But there's a few, a few stats in my column, shall I say, that maybe put a few uh, myths to bed. And we, so make sure you read that tomorrow. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, everybody read uh, read the column on Tiago tomorrow if you want you want more insight on him. Uh, let's dump, let's jump into the derby now. Um, at the time of the recording, Liverpool currently in sixth place uh, on forty points. See, they've played twenty four games. Everton in seventh on thirty seven points through twenty three. Um, Liverpool have not won their last five home games. Everton are unbeaten in seven away games, but. Um, you know, they haven't won at Anfield since 1999. So you can probably throw those stats out the door. Are there favorites in this game? Who would be your favorite if so? And, and is, are you expecting more of a closer, more cagey match than we've seen in, in recent years? Well, Liverpool are the favorites. Liverpool are the best team than Everton. Uh, that's not being disrespectful. I think even Everton fans would say that. Liverpool are at home. They've got a great record. And, uh, but you look at Everton's away record, you look at Liverpool's home record, and I think it will be a tight game. And more often than is. Yeah. You know, even when Liverpool have been doing, you know, great, you needed the last minute to, obviously, a Riga goal. I think the last FA Cup game was only 1-0. I think Curtis Jones scored uh, in that. I'm just trying to think, that, you know, the years before that, really, in, in games. But there was the Van Dijk one in the Cup, wasn't it? It was just a late Yeah, one. the Van Dijk Cup game is a really tight game, I think. The Mane goal. was a draw... Yeah, there was the Sam Allardyce one. I think Sam Allardyce was manager then. He was manager in a league game. That was a draw yeah, as yeah. well. Uh, when Calvert-Lewin went down a little bit easy, shall we say, for the penalty. <laughs> and, uh, so they're always, they're always, they always are tight games. And, and to be honest, of late, Liverpool haven't got a great record at Goodison. They haven't lost, you know, but you know, they don't win too often at Goodison in the last few years. And the games at Anfield have been really tight. So I don't expect this to be any different. I was I was obviously keeping I watched I did the Champions League football last night, but I was keeping up to date with what was going on with Everton. It was just interesting seeing or maybe thinking how they'll set up and how they'll play and how Yeri Mina being out will maybe affect them, uh, really. But you'd expect Liverpool to win. Uh, but I think it'll be a really tight game because Liverpool at this moment are not scoring a lot of goals and don't look like scoring a lot of goals. And if you actually think from Everton's point of view, of their away record number one. And also the fact that, uh, as I said, Liverpool aren't blowing teams away. There's no crowd there. I mean, you're never going to get a better opportunity to, uh, you know, put that record to bed from, you know, 99. I mean, it just, you know, it's, it's there for Everton, isn't it, really? When, you, when you, you take in all of those things, Liverpool will, of course, fancy themselves and expect to win. But it's probably a bigger, a bit as big an opportunity Everton have had for, what have we got, over 20 years? That's the thing, isn't it? It's like... You know, it feels like Everton have a mental block when they when they go across Stanley Park and you know, forget everything they know about football and just go weak at the knees. Um, do you feel like, or how much do you feel like that kind of fear factor will be at least diminished by the fact that Anfield will be empty and like Liverpool obviously much better on Tuesday, but the home form has been pretty poor of late. How much do you think that will kind of diminish that fear factor? It should do. It, yeah. it really should do. Uh, you know, you look at the record for every team this season away from home, or the away wins in you know in league football. You see, Burnley and Brighton have come to Anfield and won uh, this season. Now that now they won it playing, not so much Brighton, but certainly Burnley really defensive. Uh, 
Liverpool having lots of the ball. So it'd just be interesting how Carlo sets up with Everton, really, and whether he thinks, no, there's not too much between the teams, really. You know, away from home, we've got a good record. I mean, I saw Everton's game at Leeds, where they, you know, they, they took the game to Leeds and, and sort of went after them. And that's the interesting thing with Everton. They don't have a, a set way of playing. They, they almost change at times with different teams and who they're up against. I think against Leeds, it was almost like playing the Leeds way against Leeds. You know, almost man-marking around the pitch, stopping them from playing. At times, he goes three at the back, you know, changes formation at different times. Uh, sometimes he's had four centre-backs in his back four. So there's, there's different systems. Uh, you know, they had the diamond at Manchester United as well. So I think that will keep Liverpool guessing how Everton are going to set up. But it'll be interesting to see if Everton do take the game to Liverpool or say, well, no, other teams have had success sitting back, trying to make it difficult for them. And there's no supporters in the ground. So it's not a case of maybe even, you know, the Everton fans getting on the backs of the, the Everton team or something if they were, you know, they just sat in Anfield and they, they didn't move out the, you know, the edge of the box or nothing like that. So it'll be, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how, uh, how Everton actually go about it really and, and what team they pick. I think it's pretty obvious what Liverpool will do and the team they'll pick. I don't think there'll be no surprises, but with Everton, that might uh, keep Jürgen and Liverpool guessing. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be an interesting one to see how Carlo sets up. Obviously, I, th- I feel like as an Everton fan and watching Everton, we probably expect more defensive just because that's how he's gone against um, in a lot of these games. But, um, you know, obviously you mentioned Liverpool are the favorites. If er- Everton are to get a result in this game, what's the key area of the pitch or the key areas of the pitch that they have to win uh, in this one? I, I, I just think, I think Everton, if, Everton, if, if I was the Everton manager, shall we say, I mean, the big thing for Liverpool is is, is winning the ball back off, off Everton. And Everton do try and play from the back. They do do that. And I actually think in the first game at Goodison, I, I thought Liverpool played really well that game. And especially in that first half where, you know, Everton were trying to, you know, Carlos brought that in. He's, he's a top manager. He wants Everton to play like a top team and play from the back. And, and try and play through midfield. But it'd be interesting if he tries that at Anfield because I thought in the first half of Goodison, I thought Liverpool played really well in that game and constantly just taking the ball off Everton and making passes and energy and, and that. And Everton came back into it a little bit more in the second half. Rodriguez then starts having an impact on the game. But it'll just be interesting to see if if, if Carlo wants Everton to, uh, to actually play football from the back. Because I think if they do, they could have a big problem. Yeah. Um, do, you th- do you feel like is it, I, I don't know like I watched your interview with Grandall too when you said about how you love playing in derbies but do you think there's an element of like of being from the city and, and playing for you well, not, obviously not your boyhood club but like you know uh, playing for the team that you, that you love is that can that be a hindrance at times do you think as you think of like I remember Ross Barkley in, in a couple of derbies kind of snapped into a lot of tackles but very aggressive and Maybe two up for it. Steven Gerrard, I think, got a few red cards in derbies as well. Do you think sometimes it can it can work against you if you're if you're a scouser or if you're an Everton or Liverpool fan? Yeah, I think so. I think they're good uh, good examples that you make. I, I've always felt that afflicted or affected, sorry, Everton a lot more than us. I mean, we were up for it, but I always felt at Goodison at times your crowd would be that wound up and that desperate to win a game that. Everton players would lose a little bit of control and we, we seem to have a nice balance in those games where you'd be right up for it. Obviously, Stevie uh, went over the mark now and again. But uh, <laughs> but no, you need that, to be honest. You, you don't want this to ever become a normal game or 
just three points. You, you want to have that little bit of you know needle in the game. And uh, I hope that continues again on Saturday, even without the crowd. I think it'll be a lot less, of course, because the crowd play a huge part of it. But both, both clubs are very emotional clubs and very emotional about the football and get wound up and get excited and, and all these things. I think that always ends up you know, showing itself on the pitch with both teams, really. And I, I think sometimes more at Goodison than I would, I would say at, uh, at Anfield. But I, th- I think it, it may be slightly different with the... With no supporters in. Yeah, and and I mean, obviously, the events of last derby may actually play into this as well. I, well, I'm interesting to see what your opinion is on that. Obviously, Pickford on Van Dyke, um, Richarlison on Thiago, Henderson's disallowed goal. Do you think that these events maybe? Obviously, there's no crowd, but do you think that these events maybe heighten the senses of the players and, and make this a little bit more, as we mentioned before, cagey? Well, I might heighten Liverpool's senses there because all those things seem to be uh, against Liverpool in that <laughs> first one. <laughs> That's fair. I'm sure uh, maybe it's something Jürgen will mention in his, in his team talk, maybe, uh, really. But I think it's probably important from Jordan Pickford's point of view. He doesn't let what went on. And I'm sure you know this builds up in the next couple of days to the game. And you know a lot of focus will be on him because of uh, you know what happened to Virgil van Dijk in the first game. And uh, I think from his point of view, he's got to make sure he just... He blocks that out, and he, you know, he's focused on the game because that is a problem for him at times. Where you feel he doesn't quite get the mental side of, of the game quite right, and he become quite erratic uh, at different times. And there will be a lot of focus on him and, and talk of him before this game. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if the uh, the manager picks. So I think he will. The fact he, he put him back in against uh, Manchester City, but uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think Jordan Pickford's sort of mental state going into this game and how he. How he copes with this game going into it could have a big bear on how the, the result here finishes. What, what was it like for you when you played like um, in? So we didn't win that many derbies, but in, when when Everton did uh, win uh, win the derbies that you played in, did it? I mean, obviously it hurt it hurt more to you, I guess, than maybe most of the other players. But is it kind of like? Is that the game where it feels the worst when you win and feels the best? So it feels worse when you lose and the worst when you win still? Or was it more so than maybe playing Man United or whoever maybe you're in a title race with? No, it was always Everton was the worst feeling you get if you lost, yeah. uh, without a doubt. Just because local, you know, so I know so many Everton supporters, you live in amongst them, family, you know, friends, all that type of thing. And yeah, it was always much worse if, if you lost two way uh, to Everton. I always saw that as the biggest game not to. Uh, Man United, maybe I, you know, I grew up on Merseyside derby as well, so I know it from both sides of the uh, the park, if you like. So, yeah, the, the derby is always the one that uh, got the juices flowing a little bit more than any other. We had a decent enough record, but of course, you know, you can come a cropper now and again, as we did, and uh, we lost one at at Anfield. I think in my time there, the, the Kevin Campbell one, and we lost. Uh, it's been three or four at Goodison. There was a cup game. There was a. Ali Carsley game, there's the Andy Johnson game. There's the one under Hodgson. Oh, the one under Hodgson, yeah, I'll try and forget that one. (laughs) Uh, So, four games we lost, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I used to actually love winning the the derbies more at Goodison than Anfield, actually. Uh, You know, I felt like we were going to war. It was a, you know, real intense atmosphere. It's a really tight pitch at Goodison that I loved. And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, loved winning games there, and obviously it was a killer when you lost. What's your favourite derby memory? 
Uh, Gary McAllister scoring a last minute winner in 2001 at Goodison. I guess what's yours? <laughs> what's mine? Mine would be the Carsley one because it was like I was five, I think. So it was like the first derby I watched. Um, I haven't went second that day, and that's probably <laughs> it's about as good as it's got, <laughs> to be honest, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember that game. That was, uh, oh God, Carsley, yeah. To be honest, one of the one of the ones I enjoyed just personally was I didn't enjoy the game, but like for like a derby moment, it was probably with the Sigurdsson goal at Anfield because in the away end, and that was eight thousand over two. Was that a, was that the cup game or was that to make it one one? That was that was the cup game, yeah. Which obviously Van Dyke. Oh. I didn't, didn't enjoy the actual game. Obviously, like that one moment, that was probably. Yeah, yeah. Well, you get the uh, you get more support in there, don't you, for the cup game? Yeah. So four of you in there to celebrate. You had the whole uh, park end there, and not park end the uh, mm. the Anfield Road, didn't you? I think. How yeah. do you see it going on? How do you see it going on Saturday? Then do you have obviously you said Liverpool well, favourites? Would you be surprised if Everton? Would you be surprised if Everton get something though? No, I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if Everton won. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the game was a draw at all. But uh, I've actually gone into a lot of games at Anfield lately. Sort of Man City game, Man United game, thinking, oh, big game. We'll, we'll see. You know, I can see the real Liverpool if you like. And this will be another one. But I've just been, you know, let down so often really in the, in the last few weeks. So I'm not quite sure, but. I think a lot depends on Everton. I think if, if Everton play really defensive and, and, and just try and nullify Liverpool and don't get involved in, in a game, I think they could make it tough for Liverpool. I think if Everton come to play, I think I think that'll play into Liverpool's hands. I think uh, Leipzig did that against Liverpool and left them at themselves at times TV3 at the back. And if you make a mistake, Liverpool will punish you. So it'd just be interesting to see how Everton sort of go about it and what team he picks. I think the Rodriguez one's a really interesting one. Really, because uh, he's a class footballer, getting on the ball. He's not great defensively. You will know that better than me. At times, he can expose the right back behind him if he plays on the right. I think Carlo starts to play in a more central now because of that reason. So, I think if he was to play, he may actually play in the number 10 role because yeah. I think uh, Carlo would be very wary of isolating whoever plays at right back, whether that's Coleman or maybe he puts Holgate there or maybe he puts Godfrey there. I don't know. As well, because he actually did well in the derby, Godfrey, when he came on sub against Mane. So that might be something that he looks at. But yeah, I think Rodriguez will be interesting. And whether he uh, he sticks with Sigurdsson, I know he didn't do particularly well midweek, so, but he has been captain. So be in- interesting if he plays Sigurdsson and Rodriguez. I don't Come think on, you, he's no more than me. I don't think you can play those two together, I think. That's what I'm saying. It's uh, just, yeah. Yeah. I'm not quite, you know. I would imagine he goes... Will be? I would imagine think, he goes a Wobie on the right. He could um, be a Wobie on the right, yeah. Because yeah. I think the problem is you've got you've got Decore who's been flogged like all season really. Because we can't do without him. I think if we bring Allen back, then you've got more tenacity in midfield as well. But I just think Sigurdsson and Rodriguez is obviously the best of footballer, and Sigurdsson's had had good games. But I just think the two of them together don't really work because of the, they're not particularly mm, mobile. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he could still play Rodriguez on the right and play three in midfield, and Decore could cover him. And because you, you think if he plays that, I mean, if he plays Allen, and then he, so he, he'll have Richarlison on the left, he'll have Calvert Lewin up front, maybe Rodriguez on the right, and then have that three-man midfield that he started the season with, or maybe put Tom Davis in there. He's playing well, I, isn't he? I think Tom Davis will start because of how he's played. I think I presume that's why. He got took off last night because I think again he was our best midfielder last night. Um, 
and like you said, I think it, it is important, I think, to, to have kind of players who maybe understand the magnitude of the game. Um, but I think I, I, my personal opinion is like that, that midfield is kind of where we kind of really need to win that battle because I think we've seen in some in the games that we've lost lately, especially, especially surprisingly against Fulham on Sunday, it just felt like Everton got completely overrun in that department and mm-hmm. too much yeah. of a soft touch um, and couldn't compete really with, with how, uh, with how, sort of how, how much Fulham went for Everton's throats in that game. Um, I don't know whether Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know whether Liverpool will. will I know they don't. It's not long ball football, is it? But I remember, like especially last season, it was a lot of kind of crossfield balls. To I remember the derby when they won five two. It was quite a lot of Liverpool's goals were like long balls forward to Origi or Omani, weren't they? Which kind of just bypassed the midfield. I don't know whether Liverpool will look to kind of play more. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, Everton played a really high line that night, didn't he, under Silver? And I think uh, yeah. Liverpool yeah. do miss that with Van Dijk. He was, uh, he could, I mean, they don't. They haven't got that quality as much. Henderson's trying a lot more from the back, but I don't expect Everton to play that high in the game, actually, to be honest. But I'm actually just watching on uh, Sky Sports News now, The uh, it's the Campbell game. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> you were... Uh... Are you on commentary? We've got Sander Vesterveld on the show in his fight with Franny Jeffers. <laughs> you on commentary on Saturday, this guy? Yeah, yeah. So, okay. so I, can, I can imagine my Twitter feed will be full of uh, Evertonians calling me bitter and twisted and Sky Liverpool, etc. They don't like us, they're all against us and that. <laughs> so I'm sure I get plenty of that. So uh, don't disappoint me, Blues. <laughs> <laughs> We'll make sure to get the word out. Uh, Jamie, thanks so much. Uh, that's it for us. Uh, we appreciate you joining us and giving your insight. Come on, then. What score are you going for? Oof. I'm going... Uh, I know it's 2-2, I think. I was thinking the same thing, 2-2. I, 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 think, I think Everton can, can get out of Liverpool. It's just, like you said, it's, it's out the other end, isn't it? Because I think we have improved defensively, but it's not, it's not looked like that the last few weeks. Um, so, and I, I would never back Evan to win Anfield because I've never seen it. So. <laughs> just realistic, just being realistic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, 2-2, two, two, I think. Um, I, I guess the biggest worry is just putting, I mean, obviously defensively, but, you know, Calvert-Lewin, you know, we got to put the ball in the back of the net. So if he doesn't play or if he's still injured, I don't know what the reports have been, but that's going to be an issue, I think. And, and especially with his hold-up play, um, not being there, if he's not in, um, that's going to be, I think, a big issue for Everton. So we'll see. Um, again, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. All right, cheers, boys. I'm going 2-1 Liverpool. All right, all right. There you have it. 2-1 Liverpool. We got 2-2. Um, that's it for us, Matthew. Uh, thank you um, for joining me, as always. Uh, to you guys out there, make sure you keep listening, uh, subscribing, following us, uh, downloading the episodes so you get them week in and week out. Uh, we appreciate the support, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.